At Qualcomm, we believe in staying connected, and you can see us wherever 5G is helping transform telemedicine, supporting remote education, and powering mobile PCs. The Invention Age is here. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash inventionage. Starting now, you can get a transcript of each week's Rich Dad radio show. Just visit www.richdad.com slash radio and download a copy today. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, hello, hello. It's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And today's program is about secrets, a secret society. I mean, we've all heard about secret societies. You know, some of them are the more famous ones, are Bilderberg Group the Masons and the Bohemian Grove. Now, I don't know anything about them and I've not really cared, but the question for all of us today is this, how do they affect our lives? Are they really as potent as some people think they are? Are they conspiratorial? Are they against us? Are they for us? What are these secret societies? And how does it affect, how do they impact the economy? That's the question today. So we have a very special guest today. His, I call him, I now call him Sir Edward Griffin. I promoted him, promoted him tonight. And uh, he is, he, we have just come off, he just came off another extremely successful Red Pill Expo up in Spokane, Washington. So before we bring Ed on, I have Kim comment on how Ed Griffin has affected our lives. Well, thanks, Robert. Um, we all read Ed's book, the Creature from Jekyll Island. We, we didn't did, just read it. We studied it. We studied it. it. We page did a book study. We brought a group of people together. Um, and it's not the easiest read, but it's the most eye-opening book I had read. Uh, the Creature from Jekyll Island, A Second Look at the Federal Reserve. And that was the start for me of starting to understand what's really going on with these secret societies, what's really going on behind the scenes with, with the government, Fed. with the Fed, <clears throat> all of that. So um, this is a really powerful show because we're going to talk about what is going on behind the scenes. These are really powerful organizations and what they're doing and how does that impact you and what can we do about it? So just make sure the um, government's not observing you listening to this program. <laughs> Everybody's listening to everything. Because, you know, just like what Putin does, you might get poisoned or something. So anyway, be very careful. This is a very powerful program about secrets and what you don't know was not reported in the news and how the news actually prevents people from knowing this stuff. So welcome to the program, Sir Edward Griffin. Uh, well, thank you, Robert and Kim. I love that title. Uh, but believe me, I don't, I don't take it too seriously. <laughs> good, good. Hey, uh, f first of all, congratulations on your second red pill up in Spokane, Washington. And like I say to everybody when we interviewed you prior to that, the problem with the red pill is I don't come away happy. I come away disturbed. I come away awakened. But the first one, which was in with Bozeman, Montana, and then this year in Spokane, Washington, I came away, I don't know how you did it, but I came away more disturbed. And, and why is it called the red pill? Well, the red pill, of course, is uh, based on that uh, pretty popular meme nowadays, that take the red pill and, and wake up, you know, break out of your... Uh, sleep, break out of your illusions, and see the world it really like it really that is. That was from The Matrix with Keanu Reeves. Ye right? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, an old sci-fi movie. I say old. I think it's almost twenty years old now. Really? Um, 
Yeah, but, you know, most people have seen it, and those who haven't seen it have heard about it. It's, it's a very simple concept. It's, uh, of course, remember, it's science fiction and all that. And the whole theme is that um, mankind is uh, living in some kind of a trance. They, all, all humans have been captured by this giant computer, this matrix. This thing has taken over their brains and feeding images into their minds. And so they think that they're leading normal lives. But, in fact, they're nothing but resources for this giant uh, um, computer-like thing. So, is that really science fiction? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, and, so. And they're serving unseen masters, and they're being exploited. And so the story evolves around that theme. And the, the idea is to is to save humanity and get them to all wake up and break out of the matrix and see life the way it really is. And the the, the challenge is not only that the matrix fights back, but the real interesting part to me is that many people don't want to wake up. They prefer mm. the illusion because yes. so it's more comfortable. So that's the blue pill, right? That's the blue pill. They take that and they say, I just want to go back to sleep, thank you. I, I like that rosy feeling. I know it's false, but I like it, you know. So it's it's really quite um, uh, quite apropos to what's really going on in, yes, in the world is. today. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about this thing called the central bank, called the U.S. Federal Reserve Bank. And what I loved about your book, which came out, was it 1998? Uh, yes, uh-huh. yeah. it was a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I thought, too. But anyway, because I read it around 1998. But anyway, the um, thing I loved about it is the distinctions that I have made since reading that book. You see, everybody talks about communism. You know, we're against communism. We're against socialism. But it took me going to Vietnam in 72, realizing I, I had no idea what a communist was. You know, all I knew, I was supposed to shoot them. If they carried an AK-47, I shot them. If they didn't, I didn't shoot them. You know, I mean, that was kind of how we identified them. And as I'm out there in Vietnam, again in 72, I realized I don't know what a communist is. And today, because of listening to people like you and a whole bunch of other people who are part of the Rich Dad radio show, I now realize that communism is about a centralized government. Capitalism is a centralized bank. That's the big distinction there. So the centralized banks, they owe no allegiance to anybody. They're not elected. They pretend to be appointed, but you know they're not. And so the whole world is now being run by the U.S. Federal Reserve Bank. And as you all know, it came apart in 2008. You know, when the derivatives exploded, the, the Fed came apart, and they had to go to QE, printing trillions and trillions of dollars to survive. So anyway, I'll say it again. Communism is centralized government, which is China and Russia. It's totalitarian in theory. And then capitalism are centralized banks. And so what we're going to be talking about are some of the secret societies hiding in plain sight that you've discovered as a researcher and author. So could you... You know, you could talk about why you wrote The Creature from Jekyll Island, but stick into the theme of what are these secret societies and who actually runs the Fed, because it's not American. It's basically a cartel, as you state. You know, the Rothschilds banking system controls most of the central banks of the world, same as the Rockefellers and those guys. But we're never taught that in school, so that's all part of the red pill. So take it away, Sir Ed Griffin. 
Uh, yeah, that definitely is the red pill, Robert. Uh, before I touch on that, I'd like to just make a comment on, on your observation earlier, with which I agree, by the way, but sometimes we get into problems with words and their definitions, the word uh, communism and capitalism and so forth. I think you know that I prefer to use different words. Uh, I, I like the more generic form. Communism, socialism, fascism, Nazism, all those things. Not are Marxism. really. Yeah, yeah. They're all merely variants of something deeper than that, which is collectivism. If you peel off those other labels, socialism, communism, so forth, you find that they're all the same. It's called collectivism. That's not our topic today, but the, the constructive opposite of that is, in my view at least, is not capitalism. The constructive opposite of collectivism is individualism. And now we come to the word capitalism. What's that? Well, that means different things to different people. But classically, capitalism is uh, more, uh, it's closer to individualism. And so I think the, the central bankers and the, the governments of the world, even the ones that have a lot of money, the powerful ones like in the U.S., uh, in my view, they're not classical capitalist systems at all anymore. No. Maybe, maybe they were. But now they're, they're the same as communism, socialism, fascism. We have adapted collectivism. So uh, it's one form of collectivism fighting another form of collectivism. And we don't have crony capitalism today, and you hear that phrase all the time. We have crony socialism. We have crony communism, crony fascism. In other words, we have collectivism. <laughs> and so I just had to throw that in because it's one of my favorite themes that it's, it's true. It's, it's hard to talk about these things when we use words that don't really define the topic. And, so and, I, and that's the reason I use the words capitalism versus communism, because it's generic language, not accurate. Yeah. But exactly. The, but yeah. I, but it really was true. I was in Vietnam, you know, killing commies out there and going, I don't even know what a commie is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, Ed, when you say individualism, are you talking like the individual rights and liberties? Yes, you, and more. What, and what more. do you mean by that? Well, the words actually define it. Uh, in a... In the governments of the world today, all over the planet today, that people are really collectivist in their thinking because they believe that the basis of society, the ultimate uh, uh, source of authority, is the group, the collective. They think that the individual is something to be despised. They think that the individual must be sacrificed, if necessary, for the greater good mm of the greater number. You know, everything is about democracy. Let's count the votes. And if you can get one more vote on your side than the other side, then people think, winner takes all. We won. We won. And so now we can, we can do anything we want to that, mi- to that minority. Well, let me ask you this question, okay? In America, says, so, well, you go out there and vote. In your opinion, does it make any difference if we vote? Well, at some level it does, because I'd like to keep the system alive that we can restore someday. But right now it doesn't make a lot of difference, because the people and the issues that we vote for are determined by this very group that we're going to be talking about today. This, uh, I call it a conspiracy, and uh, I didn't used to do that because I wanted to avoid that word. Uh, but then everybody said, ah, you're a conspiracy theorist. And so finally I said, oh, well, okay, let's, let's say that I were. <laughs> And uh, can we deal with it? Yeah, it, it doesn't make a difference because the Republican Party and the, and the Democrat Party really are uh, driven by the very people that we're going to be talking about. So you're voting. It's like you have the same owner of two football teams. Right. You, all right. You put the teams on the field and you put on a heck of a good show because it brings in the fans and you make a lot of money. But you don't really care who wins. They're both your team. Right. See? 
So what, let me ask you this question. You know, we're talking about, again, secret societies. And what spurred you to write The Creature from Jekyll Island, a second look at the Federal Reserve Bank? You know, and guys like Congressman Ron Paul have been writing books called End the Fed and all this. What is the driving motivation behind people like you and Ron Paul and more and more people are saying, what is this thing called the Fed, the creature? What, what did, what's inspired you to write The Creature from Jekyll Island? Well, I wish I could say there was some kind of an epiphany that uh, descended upon my brain and said, ah, you've got to write about this because it's the most important thing in the world, etc. It wasn't that at all. It was just it started off as a curiosity. I was curious as to how to uh, explain inflation, how come that the purchasing power of the dollar kept slipping and slipping. I thought this would make a great topic for a, for a documentary film, which I was producing in those days, a very low-budget uh, shoestring a bootstrap type of funding and all that, very low uh, budget. But nevertheless, I thought, I'm going to produce a documentary on inflation. I didn't have the foggiest idea what caused inflation, except that I knew that it wasn't what I was being told. I was being told it was because all of these greedy people out there. It was some people would say, well, as those farmers, look how much money they're making from their, their crops, and they've got a monopoly. I mean, you either buy their stuff or you don't. And so the farmers are or gouging the public, and then farmers would say, "It's not us, folks. It's those uh, uh, it's those middlemen. Look, they they force us to buy uh, at prices that they determine, and so forth." And the middleman says, "Not us, folks. Look at those grocery stores. Uh, they have too much profit margin." Grocery stores say, "It's not us, folks. It's the unions. Look what the the uh, wages were forced to pay the employees." And it goes, everybody's pointing the finger at somebody else, and I knew that wasn't right. So anyway, I started into it, and I. I it didn't take long. Anybody doing that would come soon to discover that the engine of inflation is the uh, the central banks, as we call them, the those institutions that have the ability and the authority to create money out of nothing, literally. Uh, well, even worse than out of nothing, they create it out of debt, and so they they try and entice as much debt as possible into society, so that people will borrow, 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 borrow. And what I didn't know then was that the act of borrowing was the act that created the money. The money wasn't there, and you went and borrowed it. No, it wasn't there until you borrowed it. Well, that's, so, that's, that's like when a person has a credit card. There's no money in the credit card. No, nothing at all. the moment you use a credit card, you've now created debt. Yes. And, 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 and money is now that, created. Yes, and if you could take that debt then and print, print it into dollar bills and $20 bills and so forth and circulate it, now you've got a, a simplified version of explaining how money comes into being. So then it's, in 2008, it all debt. came apart, right? I mean, it's coming apart yeah. for a while, but in 2008, that's when uh, they have TARP and quantitative easing and all that stuff. Because as you write about in The Creature from Jekyll Island, which I never forgot, was you said bailout is the name of the game. In other words, they print all this money, the rich guys make all the money, and when they screw them up, the Fed bails them out, or something along those lines. Is that correct? Yeah, that's pretty good. If you're a friend, if you're a friend of the Fed, um, you're on their team, and they like you, and you play their game, yeah, they'll come bail you out, and they'll give you all kinds of, of good terms and, and free money and free credit and that sort of thing, and, and special low interest rates and all of that. So, uh, but if, if you don't play along with them, then they consider you to be the enemy, and they'll come after you. So, and, so and is, is the Fed a secret society in plain view? It's, it's in plain view, all right. I don't think, even think it's a secret society. No, it's an institution 
uh, that's right out of the open. It always has been out in the open, except during the uh, the uh, early stages when they were creating it. They had to do that in secret. That's why they went to Jekyll Island, which is off the coast of Georgia. All these um, these wealthy and and the key bankers and a few politicians they went out of sight. They went on to Jekyll Island and they spent a week hammering out the details of this. Um, thing called the Federal Reserve. And as Robert so accurately called it a moment ago, it's a cartel. It's not a government agency. It's not a bank. Uh, it's a cartel of banks. It's, and also, and it, it's also the, the, the central banks, which there is a the Fed, there's a Bank of Japan, the European Central Bank, and the PBOC, the People's Bank of China. They are the most powerful financial institutions on earth, but they're not really of the people, for the people, or by the people. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Yeah, they're private institutions. They're very powerful because they make the money. And if you know, if you make the money, as uh, Lord Rothschild so said the, yeah, a long so time ago, the, those people who make the money will determine how the nation goes because they can buy the politicians and they can pass the laws, even oh. though they remain invisible and behind the scenes. So once again, this is Robert Kiyosaki of the Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking to Sir Edward Griffin, his author and researcher, the author of the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. His website is realityzone.com, and we're talking about secret societies. But many of them are in hiding in plain sight. So one of the secret societies we're going to talk about is, you know, it was created by this guy Cecil Rhodes a long time ago, which is called today known as the Rhodes Scholarship and all this, and guys like Clinton were part of the Rhodes Scholarship. He was a Rhodes Scholar. That's and so at the, right. at the end of the Red Pill, which was held this time in Spokane, you know, Ed said some things that just my brain went, you know, the pieces of the puzzle are falling into place. You can see them more clearly. Another part of the secret society is the Council of Foreign Relations, CFR, but also there's banks like Goldman Sachs. If you notice, most of the central banks are run by Goldman Sachs guys. So once the reason I love hanging out with Ed is that the picture or the pieces of the puzzle come clearer and clearer into sight. So when we come back, we're going to talk about President Clinton, you know, a man of the people and for the people, and also how he affected and how he affected the world economy. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. Log on to RichDadRadio.com while you listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki. Welcome back. Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. Today's theme is about secret societies. 
what many of these secret societies are in plain sight. More specifically, we're talking about the Federal Reserve Bank, the Rhodes Scholarship, you know, and things like that. The Council of Foreign Relations are always on television. And, you know, banks like uh, Goldman Sachs, if you look, most central banks are run by Goldman Sachs guys. And if you look at that, you go, wait a minute, maybe that's not a secret. But the problem is, since our educational system is so screwed up and so left biased anyway, I mean, you don't learn anything. As I started this whole program, is, I didn't know what a communist or a capitalist was when I left school. I joined the Marine Corps and I go out to kill commies. I don't even know what a communist is. So I decided before I shoot any more of them, I'd better start getting educated. So our guest today is Sir Edward Griffin. He's the author of the great book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, a second look at the Federal Reserve Bank. He's an author and researcher, and his website is realityzone.com. And he just came back from his very, very potent Red Pill Expo. As I said to him, I'm not going back anymore because every time I go there, I get more disturbed. So this is the second time I went and I got more disturbed and came back. And Kathy Grady went there with her husband, Will, and they had never been, they, they weren't at the first one, but Will made a very important distinction. He says, you know what made the red pill so powerful? I went, no, I said, what is that? He says, there was no reporters. I said, what does that mean? He says, you see what happens, we get most of our news from reporters. And those guys are lying sacks of, you know what? You know, they all have their bias and all that. So what Ed had at the Red Pill were the real guys. You know, these guys are actually have done it. They're in the trenches. They know what's happening. They were witnesses to events. So that's what made the Red Pill so powerful. And once again, we're talking today about secret societies, like the Council of Foreign Relationships, the Rhodes Scholarship, and guys like uh, Bill Clinton, who was a Rhodes Scholar. Any comments, Kim? Well, I'm, you know, I'm the eternal optimist, and I'm my my wish or whatever is I like this idea of the red pill versus the blue pill because the blue pill is you take it and you kind of go along with the crowd and you're basically sound asleep. And I'm trusting that there's a lot of movements happening right now and there's a lot of anti-establishment movements happening now. And my hope is that maybe more and more people are taking the red pill and maybe more and more people are starting to wake up to what's going on. But uh, Robert, you have a really great question for Ed because there's so much I have no idea of so much of what's going on behind the scenes and these secret societies and what they're all about. Correct. And I'm going to say something about the red pill. It's like, you know, if you get a flashlight and you turn the flashlight on, the cockroaches run. <laughs> so the problem is, ladies and gentlemen, it's exactly as Trump is saying. It's all, all fake news. So Ed, we're talking about the CFR, the, uh, the central banks. CFR is Council, Council of Foreign, Foreign Relations. They're always on TV. And then also what it was the Rhodes Scholarship. So at the end of the Red Pill, you wrote about Cecil, you, you read this article about Cecil Rhodes and then how Clinton went to Oxford for the Rhodes Scholarship. So can you give us the relationship between Cecil Rhodes, the secret societies like the CFR, and guys like Bill Clinton and what you think he said at his first inauguration? Would you mind going over that? Yeah, that that is the heart of the whole thing. So let me, I'm tempted just to jump right into my presentation, but that's not going to work. We don't have enough time and probably not enough interest in all the details. But I do have to say that uh, I, I um, spent a little time trying to think of a title for my presentation that would catch people's attention. Because, you know, being a writer, we know that the most important, 
important thing about a book is the title of the book, because if you don't have a good title, nobody will even look at it. And the second most thing, important thing is the first sentence. <laughs> and uh, after that, if, you, if they're still there, it's a lot easier. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> the title of this presentation, as you know, uh, is The Quigley Formula, A Conspiratorial View of History as Described by the Conspirators Themselves. Well, now, if that doesn't catch somebody's interest, I don't know what would. And indeed, it did, because, uh, you know, we're supposed to we're supposed to be afraid to use the word conspiracy, lest somebody thinks that we are a conspiracy or a theorist, a theorist. So wacko. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, they keep calling me that uh, a conspiracy theorist, even though uh, I don't consider myself to be dealing with theory at all. I deal with historical facts. I'm, I'm a conspiracy historian, not a theorist. But anyway, they call me a theorist. So let, oh, instead of running from it, I decided, okay, let's just say, okay, I'm going to talk about conspiracies today. But the key is that these are, when you talk about these things, you must be very defensive that you don't just give your opinions and summaries of what you've learned, but you actually give proof. Otherwise, uh, you, you can't get very far. So my whole purpose there, as you know, was to give proof in the words of the conspirators themselves as to what I was saying was true. So the first thing you have to deal with, with a title like the Quigley formula, is to find out who is this man Quigley. Well, we, we find out that Carol Quigley uh, was a, uh, a rather well-known history professor at Georgetown University during the years when Bill Clinton was there as a student. And uh, we know that they became uh, rather close. Uh, Clinton considered uh, Quigley to be his uh, mentor, and there's no doubt that uh, Quigley helped um, uh, William get the nomination to the Rhodes Scholarship. And we know that because of the history that follows. So anyway, uh, Quigley was a professor at Georgetown. He wrote a couple of books. And one of them, it just turns out, is considered to be the semi-official, if not the official, history of one of the greatest secret societies or conspiracies that the world has ever seen. And one that not only has been around for about 100 years, but is in full force today. And Professor Quigley is the guy who's the historian about that. And he wrote a big, thick book called Tragedy and Hope, which tells the story of this secret society. Well, many people couldn't care less. And those who are looking for a book to read on their vacation don't pick up a big, thick history book. And you flip through the pages, uh, and uh, it's dull. <laughs> so you don't read this thing. This was not intended to be read by the masses. It was intended to be read by primarily the people who were close to the conspiracy, who wanted to know more about it, and the academics and so forth. So anyway... Quigley wrote about it, and he said in his own books, he said uh, that he was given private access to the private papers of this group, and that he had no aversion to it. In fact, he liked it a lot. His only point of uh, difference of opinion, he said, and he wrote this in his book, he said, the only difference of opinion I have with this group is that I think they should be known. They wish to remain unknown. So with that, now, we've got to take it pretty seriously when we read Quigley's book. And, and what, what was the group, Ed? What was the society? Well, that's the interesting part about it. Um, the society never gave itself a name consciously. It said, we must not have a name. Because if we have a name, 
then people can talk about us. <laughs> okay? So there was no name. And uh, even Quigley himself has, uh, refers to it as the, the, um, the Rhodes Group or um, the institution or whatever, and so forth. But as we'll find out in a moment, it was created 100 years ago by Cecil Rhodes, one of the wealthiest men in the world. People have heard his name. They don't realize perhaps what his history was, but he was the, he was the prime minister of uh, South Africa during its early colonial days. He had, because of his position, he had uh, taken over, personally taken over the most of the natural resources of South Africa, the diamond mines and the gold and the silver, all the resources. Uh, also, uh, the country of Zimbabwe used to be Rhodesia. Yes. And, and yes. Rhodesia was the breadbasket of Africa. They yes. produced more food. They fed everybody until they lost it to Mugabe and the Africans. Exactly. So Rhodes is a, is a major historical figure, and he was one of the wealthiest men in the world. People say, okay, so what? But what they don't know is that when Rhodes died, he left this fantastic fortune to the formation of the secret society that he had been dreaming about and created. And we know about that because the, one of the members of this secret society was William Stead. And William Stead was the uh, administrator of Cecil Rhodes' wills. And he wrote a book called The Last Will and Testament of C.J. Rhodes. So we know all about those, uh, well, almost all about those wills, because the administrator of the estate, William Stead, wrote about it. And in fact, he was a part of the secret society. So we know these things. Uh, Cecil Rhodes wrote these things. How does our president of the United States, William J. Jefferson, or whatever his name, Clinton, and the Rhodes Scholarship, and, you know, I, I'm always in South Africa at Rhodes University, which is in mm -hmm. Grahamstown, and all this. So how does, how does that affect this Federal Reserve Bank? I mean, how did this all come together? Well, first I need to tie Clinton, perhaps, to this. Uh, you mentioned Clinton, and it, I think it's a significant thing that when Bill Clinton was uh, received the nomination for president at the Democratic Party um, convention, he gave honorable mention to Professor Quigley, and he said that he owed much of his political thinking and his enlightenment to Quigley. And after um, Clinton was already president, in a few public speeches, he did the same thing. So he mentioned Quigley purposely and publicly. And to most people, they thought, well, isn't that nice? Uh, here is uh, President Clinton acknowledging this nice, kindly old professor uh, as being an influence, a positive influence on his career. But those who understood who Quigley was and what he wrote about, it was a whole different message. The few who understood said, aha, I get it. Uh, Bill Clinton is telling us that he is a protege of Professor Quigley, and that uh, since Clinton was a Rhodes Scholarship, they got the connection, that he was recruited into this secret society through the Rhodes Scholarship. So Clinton was saying indirectly to those who knew, he was saying, I know about this conspiracy, and I am now in its service. And it's that's what, for those who understand history, then, that was things like the Glass-Steagall Act was repealed in 1999, which turned basically the whole banking system into a great casino. And so yes. all the actions of Clinton are best explained, from my point of view at least, by understanding the creature from Jekyll Island. It's how the ultra-rich have taken over the world via a thing called the Federal Reserve Bank, 
which bails out, as you said in Creature from Jekyll Island, the name of the game is bailout. So when the whole thing crashed, they didn't call it bailout this time. They call it quantitative easing. Is that fairly close? Well, that, the two are connected, yes. In order to bail out these banks and, and, and their corporate institutions that are, you know, the source of their great monetary power, in order to bail them out, you've got to have money to give them. So in order to give them the money, you've got to have the legislation that authorizes you to do that. So you go to Congress. Congress dutifully says, yeah, how much do you want? And they'll authorize any amount that uh, you say. And then give the Federal Reserve the authority to do what it was designed to do, which is to create this money out of nothing. And that, so and, that, and then that was they give it to Paulson. themselves. And then they give it to their buddies. Right. And that was Paulson, who was from Goldman Sachs. Yes. And he was head of the Treasury which then authorized guys like Bernanke to print quantitative easing. Yes. And uh, actually, you know, the Fed now has ways of doing that anyway, but it's, it's better, they think, of just having it done legitimately out in the open uh, through Congress. Congress says yes, no matter what, because they go in and they tell Congress, well, look, if you don't give us this power by noon, why the whole banking system's going to come unglued, there'll be panics, people will uh, be shooting each other in the streets, America will be taken over by China and Russia, and you will be responsible, Mr. Congressman, for this great disaster to our country, because you refuse to vote for this simple little authorization bill to create some more money. So That's how they do the it. The first one was TARP. So, so let me get back to a question here. So you said that when, when Clinton is talking about his mentor Quigley, that he was giving the nod that I'm on board with the secret society. What is the purpose of the secret? What do they want to do? What does the Cecil Rhodes Society want to do? What's their purpose? All right, let's cut right to the chase. In the words of these people themselves, including Cecil Rhodes. The goal is nothing less than world conquest. Conquest not with guns and bullets and that kind of thing, but conquest through the economic system, through the banking system, and what they call the central banks of the world working in unison, all of which are controlled by members of their secret society. Which is, which is will, the Rothschild Bank is controls most, not all of them, but they're involved in most of they're them. In, they're right smack in the middle of it. it right. It's, hard to, tr- it's tr- hard to see where this comes to the surface, uh, but when, you, when it does come to the surface, it's very recognizable. The Bank of International Settlements, for example, is a highly visible component of it. This is in Switzerland. And this is where all of these central banks gather uh, on a regular, ongoing basis. And they have secret conclaves, and they decide, okay, what are we, meaning this world group, what are we going to do in the economic uh, field? And uh, they, and the goal, of course, is to keep their economic control over all the nations of the world. They know if they can control the economy of a nation, they can control every aspect of the nation. They can control the, polit- the politicians. Yeah, you, you, went, you went over some really quickly. The BIS, Bank of International Settlements, I believe is in Lucerne, Switzerland. Yes. It's the central bank's central bank. That's yes. what the Hobbit I heard it described. Well, this whole organization, yeah, that, that was involved in that. They don't uh, really have any national uh, affinity, no loyalty. None of these people care a hoot about the country in which they reside or they were born in. They may carry a U.S. Uh, passport or citizenship. They may be from the U.K. They may be from France. They may, who cares? They don't really care. They consider themselves as uh, loyal only to this secret society. And, That's and, their ultimate. And so the purpose is, is the purpose just power-driven, money-driven? It's, it's families that just, I mean, 
Why? <laughs> I guess I'm asking it, why. It's very simple, Kim. It's power. Yeah. Uh, money. The, why do people want money? Because money is power. Yeah. So they're really after the power, and the money is the path to it. The day may come when there will be no money as we know it, but yeah. there will remain power, and it will be uh, through other means, perhaps uh, little chips in your hand and units, digital units floating around. There may be no money, no cash at least. There will be something that will serve as money, but it, it's not important whether the money is uh, is paper or credit card money or checkbook money, as long as it is controlled by these people, and they can c- determine how much of it there is, who gets it, uh, how easy it is to get, and so forth, they will control the world. And, and they, that's they, what and, and that's what Mayor Amstel Rothschild said back, he was born, I think, in, he died in 1812, so it was a long time ago. But he says, give me control of a nation's money supply, and I care not who makes the rules. In other words, it doesn't make a difference if it's Republican, Democrat, communist, capitalist, liberal, or conservative. You see, it's always money that controls the world, and that's why there's no financial education in schools, because you'd have to bring Ed in, and they they take him out. Well, they certainly are not friendly to my message and yours, Robert. And that's why the red pill, the press always comes around and trashes you. And it's it's getting dangerous for me to hang out with you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Keep your your eye to the sky, you know. (laughs) So, so Ed, as more and more people become aware of these secret societies and more and more people take the red pill and more and more people get more aware, what does that mean? What what do we do with this information? What does that mean to the individual? Well, that's a really good question because many people don't ask that question. They are more concerned with finding out who are these people. You know, are they are they um, are they all bankers or are they politicians? Uh, are they uh, well? Wait a minute. Are they Democrats? You know, because they want to know who to fight, and they're looking for that kind of group identity. And one of the things that I've devoted my life to, especially of late, is to show people that they, we're not going to solve this thing by finding group identities. These are, these are individuals. We're back to that question again. Is this a group or is society based on individualism? That's, they say that's Ed. So we're going you know, to have Ed, Ed stay on rather than have Ask Robert because this, I have no idea what you're saying. is like, I don't know what it does for my brain. But it's satisfying because, you know, Kim has, since I met Kim, she knows this is the search of the questions I've been looking for. And so when I was at Red Pill and you close it, when you closed it out and you talked about Professor Quigley and President Clinton, it all kind of the pieces of a thousand piece puzzle came to a close. So we come back. We'll be going back more once again with Ed Griffin. And we'll be talking more about what does it mean to the individual and what can you do. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. 
He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. Your financial education continues. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Once again, you can listen to the Rich Dad Radio Show anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android, and all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them for two reasons. Reason number one, if you listen to this program again, you'll be twice as smart. The second reason, this is an opportunity for you to have your friends, family, and business partners listen to this program and discuss because when you listen to it and discuss, even more will come into mind. And I would say this is a very, very important program for everybody, especially at this time. And the reason for that, the reason we have Ed Griffin on, he's the author of the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, it's about the Federal Reserve Bank, is this is the reason the Rich Dad Company was formed. It was back in 83, I read a book by Dr. R. Buckminster Fuller called The Grunch of Giants. And the grunge of giants, I mean, in that book, Fuller, he was not political, but he said that basically that Ronald Reagan was surrounded, Ronald Reagan was a stooge, that surrounding Reagan were the guys that actually ran the show, guys like Casper Weinberger, Summers, Rubin, and all these characters who still influence guys like Clinton and all that. So the reason this show is so important is the reason that the Rich Dad Company was formed. And I met Kim in 83 also. Well, she didn't go out with me until 84. But anyway, it was I, I went nuts listening, reading The Grunch of Giants. I mean, uh, The Grunch of Giants. And then I come across Ed's book in the 90s. And all the puzzle, pieces of the puzzle start to fit together. Questions I've always asked at the Rich Tech Company, why isn't financial education taught in school? Well, the reason is they don't want you to know anything. That's the reason. So if you find me dead, you know, shot, murdered, poisoned, whatever it is, because you listen to this program. So don't tell people you listen to this program because it's really about the secrets. What are the secrets that are coming to light and who are the people hiding in plain sight? Like every time I see, you know, Larry Summers and Robert Rubin and Phil Graham and all these famous people and Weinberger, I have a different point of view of our leaders. Any comment, Kim? Yes. Well, our guest, a very special guest, is G. Edward Griffin. He's a researcher and author of The Creature from Jekyll Island. And so, Ed, my question is, as more and more people learn about these secret societies and this plan to take over the world, and what, what does the individual do with all this information? Well, that, yeah, that's where we left off on this is the greatest question of all, because if you have the information and you don't do anything smart with it, then you might as well not have it at all. Yes. And the, the biggest danger there is that many people uh, don't know the right question to ask. They want to know who uh, is behind this. And that, I, I'm not saying that's not an important question. We do need to know who, what individuals are behind this. But if you're looking for a group, so you can say, ah, these are the, these are the lawyers. Uh, let's get rid of the lawyers. Or if you're looking for a group, ah, oh, these, are, these are the Democrats. The Democrats, they're the ones. Or uh, a lot of these bankers are uh, Jews, so they, ah, oh, that's the Jews. Or maybe they say, well, it's who knows. Uh, it, it, we're looking for a group, and that's a dead-end street because, at least in Freedom Force and in my, in my world, uh, we don't, we don't look at people like the groups to which they belong. We look at everybody as an individual, and uh, and that's how we treat them. And I think 
we're getting now to the answer to your question, what do you do about this? Um, we start off by saying what we don't do. We don't try and deal with this by eliminating or attacking groups of people, either by race or religion or ethnic origin or political affinity or anything like that. We have to, in this case specifically, we have to take the tools or the weapons away from the people who are doing this, regardless of what groups to which they belong. What are the weapons? The weapon in order to make this whole scheme, this conspiracy work, is called collectivism. And now this is where it gets tough because people don't want to learn a new word. <laughs> they don't want to have to think, what is that? And of course, that is the theory or the ideology that the, the way to best uh, order ourselves is through governments that are based on the concept that the, uh, the leaders are all-powerful and they should decide all things on the basis of group mentality. We'll have votes, and those who get the 51% or higher, as of the winner, take all. They're the ones now that can do whatever they wish in the name of the people. This is how these conspiracies work. They control those, uh, those instruments by which people think that they are doing what the, what the majority wants. They control the elections. They control the media. They control the uh, input of information through schools so that people uh, don't really understand that what they think the group wants is actually engineered. It's, it's, it's handed to them. and say, this is what the group wants. Now, you better follow it, you see. So the, we have to dismantle that weapon that they use, and uh, that means we have to turn the whole concept of government around. People have to stop asking the government to do this and take care of them and to control that. They have to realize that people themselves have individual responsibilities for these things, and we can't rely on committees and the engines of government to do these things because those engines of government will always be corrupted by those who have financial power. What Ed is talking about is the reason Rich Dad was created back in 1996 with the cash flow game. There's no financial education in school. People don't know what income is, in income statements, balance sheets. They don't know any of that stuff. So for, for Rich Dad, we actually believe that education might get you out of this mess. The second thing is I have another book com coming out called Fake, which I'm asking you guys to participate in. But one of the things about fake is this, is that the reason we came off the gold standard in 1971 is the government cannot print gold, but they do print ETFs, which I don't like ETFs. Another thing is this, this cyber currency or Bitcoin is actually threatening centralized banking. So we have a lot of things coming apart right now. And I would, am I gonna ask Ed, like I said, if you, you shine a light on a cockroach that go into hiding, Aren't you basically saying it's time to uh, shine the light through education on the cockroaches? Exactly, Robert. That's the whole purpose of the Red Pill University and the Red Pill Universe. I mean, and the Red Pill Expo, which it sponsors, is to get that big spotlight out there, fire it up, and shine it directly at the cockroaches. Right. And uh, you're absolutely right. That is the first step. But having done that, we also have to know. We have to be. We have to be informed. We can't just. Uh, I say, oh, gee, I wonder uh, what's the right thing to do, because those cockroaches have an amazing capacity for uh, morphing. They, they uh, historically have always figured out what the public wants that's uh, not going to be in their best interest, and then they run around on the other side and pretend to be leaders of their own opposition. 
And since they're, they have a lot of money to throw at it, and since they know how to say the right things, a lot of voters, a lot of innocent people say, oh, yeah, there's a good man or a good woman. Look, they're saying the right thing. And so they become their own leaders of their own opposition, and they subvert everything. So you can't just uh, play this game lightly. You have to become professionals at it. Well, that's, 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 that's what I love about your work is that it really is about illumination, or not the Illuminati, but it is really to shine the light on the cockroaches. But the, what happens for many people is they, keep, they, don't, they don't keep shining the light. And so that's why, Ed, I really appreciate your work. Once again, our guest today is Sir Edward Griffin, creature from Jekyll Island. His website is reality, realityzone.com. And are you doing the red pill next year? Oh, absolutely. Don't know where yet. Uh, if anybody has some good suggestions, uh, let us know. And, uh, yeah, we're already beginning to talk about that and uh, many other things. Red Pill University, of course, is very important because we want that to run 365 days a year delivering the Red Pill message, not just once a year for two days, but every day during the year. And that's the difference between the university and the expo. So once again, Robert Kiyosaki, I want to thank you, Ed, because your book, Creature from Jekyll Island, was part of the flashlight that went on, as well as Bucky Fuller's book, Grunch of Giants. And I really thank you for your work and your contribution. Final word, Kim. Thank you, Ed. This has been eye-opening, and we've really just scratched the surface of it, so we'd love to have you back again. Oh, anytime. I love this conversation, so thanks for inviting me. Thank, thank you, Ed. Ed. And thank Bye. you all Bye. for listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show.